So when he says jump on her, I think he means in in a loving yes, way. A loving, yes. I'm trying to be YouTube friendly, a loving, passionate, endearing way. The way that when a man loves a woman, he jumps on her. I'm trying to bring us in here so we can get this started. Because if I don't, you're going to keep <laughs> complaining and be like, well, let's start the show. Why don't we start the show? What's up, guys? Welcome back to the podcast. Yeah, Welcome why back you Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I don't know, what do I say now? I'll just do this. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back. Welcome back to my yeah, there we go. Okay. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. We're not going to say the name of the show anymore. We're going to see if that works. Uh, all of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK for additional savings. In fact, I have a lot of new people reach out to me. They show me their diets, and the one thing they can always do is start out by adding more protein. You can simply do that, well, from a lot of sources, but you can support our programming by going to True Nutrition and using our code THINK. Also, we're brought to you by Eval Blood Analysis. See that little logo on Dave's shirt? Get your lab work done by Dave. And... Um, it's for people in the UK at this point, at least. And uh, we are brought to you by Strom Sports Nutrition, also a great supplement company out of the UK. And we're brought to you by supplementsource.ca for Canadians and as well as you guys from Patreon. Dave, we're going to try to monetize this thing. We haven't had the best of luck. Um, like I said, I don't know. All the other shows get monetized. Maybe we just don't say the name of the show anymore. Maybe that'll work. And, and I had a couple options for a topic. I'm going to let you pick. One of them was this guy says his training partner was like 380 pounds. Okay. He's dieted down. He's put in a lot of work, but he's still three bills. And he wants to start his first cycle. What should he do? We've got that option. Or we have um, a guy who likes running keto. And he wants to start his first cycle. Is keto going to be the best way for him to grow muscle? That's our second option. So think about those two things. But first, I want an update from you. Because last week we were talking about um, estrogen side effects from Anadrol. And I know you did a little bit of digging. What did you come up with? Yeah, so the data from a scientific point of view seems fairly thin. I mean, you, you can... Anadrol, just so people know, is a DHT. Okay, so it has no conversion in its own right. Um, it does engage with the PR, and there can be some estrogenic-like sides from PR. Uh, but to be fair, for the most part, I don't think this is particularly impacting. Um, what, when you go on anything that's bodybuilding-related, it will tell you it, it engages with the ER, it engages with the ER. When you go on anything science-based, as far as I can tell, there's only one study that suggests that. That's not to say it doesn't happen, but there is only one study that suggests that. Uh, I may be wrong on this, so if anyone has got other studies that confirm this, please, please send them to me, because I would genuinely be interested in reading them. But what I did see, now, when you're going a lot of the bodybuilding stuff, it will say, don't take AIs, they're no good for this, they won't lower your estrogen side effects, et cetera, et cetera, which is not really true. Because even if Anadrol was engaging quite successfully with the ER, and I'm not saying it's not, lowering your circulating estrogen would still lower overall estrogenic effects because you've got the total of the antigen engagement and your circulating ER causing the effects. What 
anadrol does do is it affects the metabolism of estrogen. That is definitely backed. Um, so anadrol affects the liver. And in doing so, it, it actually prevents or slows down the liver ability to metabolize estrogen. So you don't clear estrogen at the same rate you would normally, which would result in an elevation of estrogen levels. Now, in that scenario, an AI management would actually be effective. Uh, like I said, there is suggestion of ER engagement, but to what extent or what relative, I can't find any data that says, for argument's sake, that it's 50% of that of estrogen itself, or it's, you know, it's 100%. Because it's like, we know DECA engages with the PR, but we know it only engages with about 20, 25% of effectiveness. Where we know trend engages with the PR and actually engages at a higher rate than, than progesterone itself. But we don't have that. I don't, I can't find that data on Anadrol. In fact, from a scientific point of view, I was struggling to find much at all around receptor engagement on Anadrol. And most of the stuff was to do with blood thickening, anemia treatment, that sort of stuff, muscle wastage disorders, and all the stuff that it's actually been medically useful. Uh, what was interesting in all this is we know Novodex is selected estrogen receptor modulator, so we know it blocks the ER in certain tissues, not all, and promotes ER response in others. But it also has uh, an impact on PR as well. Really? So, yeah, Novodex does have some selective properties against PR receptors. Don't know which ones. Um, don't know how confirmed it is, but I did find a couple of a, a bit of data that was saying that that Novodex can not only be effective with the ER, but can also have a carryover onto the PR. Okay. Yeah, it would then argue that Novodex would be a good choice to run with Anadrol. Also, you said that if it, it, it obviously any oral can affect the function of the liver or mm -hmm. in, in, in impair it to some degree, thus slowing down the breakdown of estrogen. We talked a while ago, a few episodes ago, uh, I was mentioning calcium deglucurate, which could potentially in that case, that might be, that might be a good route as well, just to help get it cleared out in that, you know, in that situation. What? Is that Michael Jackson? Is that well, a Michael Jackson ringtone? Yeah. I don't know. About that. Never heard anything. You didn't hear anything. I mean, I wouldn't be unprofessional when I was doing the podcast. So. No, guys, comment below yeah. if you think Dave's unprofessional. What do you mean um, if you think Dave's unprofessional? That's <laughs> <laughs> even a question. So, all right. I mean, it's good. It's good information. <laughs> I guess it'd, it'd be cool to hear. I'm, any I'm still other digging. But I, I was I was shocked how thin on the ground I was struggling to find you know, actual genuine scientific data on it. Loads and loads of bodybuilding stuff, loads of bodybuilding sites going into depth about anadrol and everything else. Yeah. But not a huge amount of actual scientific data that I could find. Um, could be me and where I was looking. Um, so I don't discount that. But uh, if anybody does, I would be really interested to see because I'd like to know to what degree that engagement is. Is it a one-to-one -one ratio? Is it a selection of ratio? Um, and and go from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, if nothing else, it would appear that it will increase circulating estrogen levels, even though there's no direct action in it creating estrogen itself. 
Okay. All right. Well, we got it. We got some feedback here on the live stream. And by the way, guys, if you want to take part in the next show, you can comment on YouTube. We will take your questions then. Plus, uh, you know, comment on Patreon too. We've got a bunch of Patreon people that I put threads up over there to take show uh, questions for the show, and you guys get priority. But uh, Donnie had said, "Let's squash this keto thing." I'm curious as to what you guys think. Let me see if I can find that question here because I know it was. We got a big old stack of questions here. Here it is. And he says, um, hey, guys, uh, let's see. He says, I'm natty, and he does keto. He says, I love keto as a natty, but I'm planning to hop on my first test-only cycle. Do you think that keto would be an optimal diet for gear use? Would love to hear your thoughts. I've also heard that eating carbs would be beneficial before and after the workout. Is this true? And you had a follow-up. Uh, does metformin help with fat loss? If so, how to use metformin? I asked him, I was like, hey, man, it was a good topic, but uh, do you struggle with gaining fat when you use carbs? And do you tend to be somebody who holds fat easily? His only response to that was uh, he likes it, meaning keto, for the focus in less bloat in his stomach and also less subcutaneous water. I mean, what's his goal? Is he trying to continue cutting here? Is he I, trying to grow? I don't mind keto as a tool for certain goals. I don't, I'm not a fan of it as an ongoing thing. Um, I'm definitely not a fan on it if you're trying to put a decent amount of muscle on. Um, I've never found anyone who has particularly grown well from keto, but I do know people that have maintained well with keto. Yeah. Um, I think there's also a bit of a problem here, and we're all guilty of this, that you experience bloat from a diet, you go on keto, and nine times out of ten, the bloat will go. There's no, you know, that's a very common reason why people go on keto, and one of the first things they report is a, a lack of a, a drop in water retention and a reduction in bloating. That doesn't necessarily mean that your body doesn't cope with carbs. It just means that the previous diet wasn't the greatest in that respect. Um, so, you know, don't just discount. And I, I've done it with a lot of clients. I like keto. I use keto a lot or a keto style diet with a lot of clients when I first start them off. Just because I want to take them back to a baseline, ground them and see where they are with insulin sensitivity and everything else. And a lot of them will go, you know, oh, yeah, I've started this keto. I've lost a, quite a lot of weight, a lot of scale weight because of the water, et cetera, and, the, yeah. and I've lost a lot of bloat. But when we reintroduce carbs, the bloat doesn't come back. Hmm. And a lot of that is because now their insulin sensitivity is much improved. And two, I'm not trying to ram in 300 grams of carbs straight away. You know, we're putting literally in real terms 100 grams of actual carbs into their system. And then we're going to build up from that point nice and gradual and slowly and monitor the effects as it goes. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where a lot of people also go wrong is they over overface their, their digestive system with either too much food or too much food too soon. So my personal opinion is that if you're wanting to put decent muscle mass on, keto is not particularly going to be your friend. If you want endurance – Brilliant diet. You know, endurance performance, brilliant diet. Maintenance, perfectly viable diet. Endurance? Not the only one. 
Yeah, yeah. See, I don't see good endurance on keto. I usually have people, and myself, my own experience was being like stronger at the beginning of a workout, but then, you know, like tapping out or crashing faster. Right. Now, hang on. I'm talking about endurance as an aerobic endurance. Oh, okay. Not anaerobic endurance. So I'm looking. So basically, our glycogen stores are going to be 3,000 calories. Okay. Our ketonic stores, our fat stores are 20,000 calories. Okay. So if you're in a keto state, then you have much, if you're burning fat for energy, you have a, a much greater reserve of fat for for cardiovascular output. But when I'm talking endurance, I'm talking cardio endurance. I see. Um, you've so, got much greater energy reserves that way. Uh, but from a performance point of view, you know, if, we're, if you're going to be lifting at any level of intensity, then you're going to start wanting to use carbohydrates for that. If you're keto, the chances are you're going to burn proteins instead. Yeah, yeah. So th that, that was one of the things I was thinking about. Now, if you wanted to try carbs, I would even, now, as a coach, I would try carbs before I started the cycle. And I would simply do that by introducing like a cup of rice, which is about 45 grams of carbs or eight ounces of sweet potato, uh, whatever settles for you. That's the other thing is like not every carb digests well for every person. So it comes down to finding the carbs that work for you first. Rice tends to be a little bit like a white rice tends to be a little bit smoother for people. If you're really in question, even like a cream of rice, but shooting for about that 45 carb mark and try that pre-workout on your training days only run with that for a week and see what happens you know you you probably are going to gain a little bit more fluid from carbs carbs are going to deliver fluid hopefully to the muscle what is it every gram of carbohydrate takes two grams of water or some nonsense like that to to, mm -hmm. to deliver that carb to the muscle so you're probably going to hold more fluid with it but are you holding it where you want to hold it you know, there comes a certain point where you can't hold any more glycogen in the muscle and then it starts going to that sub Q storage. But especially if he's been on keto for an extended period of time and he has good insulin sensitivity now, which I think you nailed something there, he could have a good experience. I would figure that out before starting the cycle, because once you start the cycle, like all bets are off as to how you're going to respond, what your weight's going to look like, what fluid retention is going to look like. It's something I would want to figure out first. In fact, a lot of times post contest with somebody, um, it's a good time because we've been, say, you know, on a cycle going into the show. We may take a break from the gear. This isn't every case. Sometimes you might want to keep running it post cycle or post show, but um, we may take a break from the gear. And then start to fill back out and retool the training so that in about eight weeks, we can get labs done, see where you're at and get back on with like a brand new training system to help bring up the things that we needed to work on. Anyway, though, by the time that we're ready to step on that cycle, we already have the food built up. You're in a good position to then start growing muscle because I don't think that yeah. keto is an ideal state for muscle yeah. growth. Now, I think. Sorry. I was going to add, though, if he's really if he's really sensitive in a bad way, like he's going to he's going to store fat. There are people out there. I mean, maybe he could only handle that one carb meal. Maybe he could handle two. Maybe he can handle three. Maybe he you know, he's one of these people that just has like, as Dave would say, piss poor genetics. Is that a phrase he would use? And uh, and he can't handle any. Then maybe he does have to function with a protein fat diet. There's a guy named, and this is the other thing I was going to add that ties into what you're saying. I think his name was, I think it was John Anderson. I interviewed him a long time ago. He was an IFBB pro, now retired. Dude had incredible traps, like 
traps up past his ears, insane traps. People always accused him of using SEO in his traps. He said he never did. I don't know. But I mean, his traps, you would see his traps like the first thing on stage. Anyway, um, he I think he did this deep water diet is what he coined it. And he used high, high proteins. So like you said, if you're not getting carbs and you're eating enough, pro that protein is going to convert into carbohydrates, right? So you could, you know, protein's not going to be as offensive for fat gain. It's going to be a lot harder to get fat by increasing your protein. So if at worst case scenario, that could be an option. But man, I got to tell you, after it's almost 15 years now that I've been a coach, and I've been full-time coaching for, I think, nine years. I've, so I've seen a lot of people, and it's been really, really rare that somebody can't handle at least a little bit of carbs as long as they've been set up in a position. Like, if he's been on long-term keto, he might be in a position now where he could. Yeah, I think, and like I said, I think insulin sensitivity plays a huge role in this because when you are insulin sensitive, that glycogen is going to get pulled into the muscle Yeah, with the waters going with it. What a lot of people do, and you see this all the time, they just increase the carbs too much, too early, too quick. Yeah, yeah. And, and literally overpower everything. Whereas, <laughs> you know, you start with a small amount, either a couple of main meals or every meal, and then you just build from there little steps, frequent changes, and just go one step at a time. Uh, and I think that's where a lot of people go wrong and why a lot of people find this bloating and water retention of carbs is because they're just desensitized to such a point the body isn't putting the glycogen where they want it to go and as a result they gain fat and as a result they hold water yeah. but if you get someone who's nice and insulin sensitive you start bringing carbs in there and they they soak it up and generally speaking in nine times out of ten they'll soak it up like a sponge and just get bigger and fuller and perform better as long as you don't push too hard too soon. Yeah. And even then, you know, 12, 16 weeks in, you might find, right, I need to pull back a little bit, just resensitize them, get them back in place, and then go again. But uh, I think there's too much within this industry of this plan, and I'm just going to follow this, and that's all I'm going to do. And it, it, it's the plan for the right time, for the right process of what you're trying to do at that point. Um, and like I said, Keto has probably served him well for where he is, but I think if he's wanting to move into a decent level of development from his cycle, then I would be definitely considering putting carbs back in to some extent. Yeah, he probably figured out something that worked well for him, and now he's afraid to deviate from that, which I get, you know. Here's well, that question. you're in this as well, and, and you see this with cycles all the time. So my mum, bless her cotton socks, she had a boyfriend and if he ate, now, Jack was a fucking list of long arm of health problems. I mean, the guy was in his 70s, you know what I mean? He wasn't a spring chicken. Who is this? Uh, my mum's ex-boyfriend. Oh, okay. Dead 10 years. Um, but if he had beans and then he had stomach problems because he had a, a, a history of stomach problems, it was the beans. He'd never eat beans again. Yeah. It wasn't just that his stomach wasn't doing very well that day or his other health concerns were creating a problem. It was definitely the beans. And it got to the point where he only had about five things he'd eat because he just associated every time he had a problem, that was the food I ate before, that was the food. I ate. And we can do this in the same way people do it with drugs. You know, I've had this while I ate because of that drug, I'm not taking that drug again. 
Well, yeah, actually, no, it wasn't. It was because of it. So you've, you've got to just step back sometimes and look at the bigger picture. How many people do you know? How many people have messaged you that have just started on a cycle? If they're inexperienced and they've suddenly got ill and then they've panicked that the drugs are making them ill. Yeah. No, you just got a cold. <laughs> you know, you still get a cold even though you're on a cycle. You've just got a cold. Fuck off and get on with it. Yeah. Um, you do have to be a little bit careful of stuff like that as well. You know, if you're having problems with something, by all means, adjust, but then take some time to just assess and, and, and confirm that the problem you thought, the knee-re-jerk reaction to what was causing it is actually what's causing it. Here's that question, that other question we had, which is our, our number two of the day um, from Nick. He says, what if you have an obese training partner who has come a long way? The dude lost over 100 pounds, but he still hovers somewhere around 300, and he refuses to wait any longer before going on PEDs. I've tried to tell him to wait until he's leaner and then do a test-only cycle to see how it goes, but he wants to start now. What would his best options be for doing it with as little estrogenic side effects as possible? The, the, the problem with this question is we have numbers, but we don't have any relative information about those numbers. I mean, if this dude is six foot eight, 300 pounds is nowhere near his impact. And if it's five foot six. Ronnie was 300 pounds. Yeah. But he wasn't six foot eight either. <laughs> and he, he wasn't six. obese either. So, he, he, you know, there needs to be some, some context for this. I, I get the fact that he wants to go on cycle, he's, he's lost a lot of weight, and, and, and even though he's, he's still carrying high mass body fat, he's probably feeling quite small because yeah. he's used to being a lot bigger. Um, from a point of view of just pharmacology, Obviously, the higher your body fat, the higher rate of aromatization you're going to have. So your estrogen management is going to be to be much more on point. The other thing to remember is fat has androgen receptors. The fatter you are, the more of the gear you take, you waste. And that is not an excuse to take more. It's not a dose, man. Because the downside is as well, by definition, and there'll be people that will argue this, and I don't give a flying fuck, you can argue as much as you want. If you're a fat fuck, you are not as healthy as the slimmer version of you. All of the things being equal. That's not to say that there are, you can't be healthy and carry excess body fat because there are people that are very active but still carry excess body fat and are much healthier than people that are lean. But all things being equal and the only difference being body fat, the leaner you is going to be healthier than the fat you to, a, to an extent. So there's two aspects there. Now, he's come from 400 pounds, so his body has been used to carrying excess weight. But there is a very strong chance at 300 pounds that any sort of cycle is going to put 20, 30 pounds on him. Not necessarily good weight, but it's going to put something on him, particularly yeah. water, that sort of thing. So you've also got to consider the total weight and its effects on the body. Yeah. So in a normal circumstances, anyone who's carrying high body fat, I would advise against doing a cycle until they at least get some of that body fat loss off because if they're already unhealthy at, say, 300 pounds, they're going to be much more unhealthy at 330 pounds full of gear and full of water. Yeah. Um, him having lost weight offsets that to some extent. Is 
there's nothing I, I appreciate that being of a higher body thought he wants to look on the side of a lower estrogenic cycle for obvious reasons uh, and he could do that with a, a, a moderate dose of test and mast or something along those lines but there's nothing to stop him using test and just controlling the estrogen correctly with AI. It's, it's not it's not a unrealistic approach either yeah uh, oh the other thing is does he need to go on injectables and would he consider a DHT oral wonder what is I mean I wonder what his labs are definitely needs to be well considered. i was even thinking like his test levels you know like mm -hmm. what are his test levels because i know that like when you're unhealthy they tend to go down and i it wonder is. it would have been great if he would have tested them back when he was four bills and test them now are they improved i bet you they'll keep improving and, and of course once he goes on cycle that's going to change things but well it might even be that he legitimately needs trt you know, I, and but a guy who needs TRT at 300 and he's like extremely obese, if he were to get in shape, it could improve naturally versus once he goes on, you know, then all, you know, then it's, then it's, you're on. Well, so. I mean, this is the problem, is it? I mean, 300 for me and I look quite lean. Not shredded, yeah. but I don't want beats. Yeah. You know, so, uh, I mean, 300 for me from where I am now is another 50 pound down. 300 for me, not a pretty look at all. Not it'd be bad. Three hundred for me would be pretty pretty awful. Well, I mean, pretty's not a word I'd associate with you. Full stop. To be fair, <laughs> I said pretty awful, Dave. That just that you and the word pretty just no, they're not going together in my head whatsoever. What about like you uh, and awful very well? I must admit, you and awful, I find a really good pairing. But you <laughs> and pretty, no, no, I'm not saying it. What about like the, the fat burner side of things or the insulin control side of things? I know semaglutide is so popular right now. Like usually when people tend to be that heavy, they've had some sort of a negative relationship with food. And you can kind of hack that whole thing by controlling that appetite with semaglutide. I'm telling you, even at a low dose, even at like 0 0.25, 0 0.5, I've seen great results with a low dose I, as part I of the program. Yeah, I, I, I think of where he is. The first thing I'd be wanting to do is see where his hormones is, see where his blood glucose is, see if there's anything medical that may yeah. be holding him back to achieving more than he currently is. Uh, yeah, maybe his yes, thyroid or blood sugar, anything that could yeah, be I mean, stopping him from getting leaner faster. He's already lost a hundred pound on credit to the guy. That's achievement in its own right. Yeah. But is he wanting to go on now because he's frustrated because weight loss has slowed or is he wanting to go on because he's got issues around he feels small? You know, what's the driving factor to go on gear? And, and then using that to then see, right, okay, let's have a I mean, at the end of the day, he's a grown adult. He can do what the friggin' hell he wants. The, yeah. the truth is really. But, yeah, I would have a look at on the point of semi-glutide, it's, it's a very – effective drug a very effective drug just a heads up though maybe not so much as a risk to bodybuilders but like if you've got partners that are wanting to drop weight and deciding to use it or whatever i'm getting a growing number come through us for bloods complaining of fatigue and feeling run down no energy and all this stuff and effectively they're all malnourished oh yeah it's easy to do because you just don't want to eat anymore, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah, they're just not eating. They're taking semi-glutide. So, 
you do need to be conscious about that you still get enough food in to sustain what you need to operate. Yeah. And it's very easy to go the other way with that stuff. I think where we're going here overall is look at what his medical situations are, you know, see what thyroid is, see what blood sugar is, uh, things like that. And, and look at what testosterone is and then see if there's anything that you could optimize. And that would give you better insight into what you, what he wanted to do, you know, and for him, really, I'm going to be completely honest, man, for some people going into an all out bulk is probably never going to be in the cards for them. You know, a guy who wants to get into good shape like this, he's, he's never going to need to like go into like a huge calorie excess. He'll be able to continue growing muscle, man. I helped a guy. One of my first paid clients went from 300 pounds to 200 pounds in one year, and he gained 10 pounds of muscle on the DEXA. So he grew in that process. And 10 pounds is nothing to laugh at, especially in a year, especially in a deficit, you know? Well, the other thing to, to, would be to suggest that if he's maintained 400 pounds, irrespective of the fact that it may be gross overheating, yeah, he would find putting muscle on relatively easy. Yeah, yeah. His genetics would start to say, this guy can grow. He might struggle with body fat, but I don't think growing is going to be a concern. Here's a fun one. Once again, guys, if you want to take part in the next show, then comment below. And if you're new here, let me encourage you to subscribe and hit the bell because we have several bodybuilding podcasts that come out each week. The hit the bell thing is important because YouTube doesn't like fringe content anymore and doesn't seem to be pushing us in the algorithm like like some other, you know, uh, types of, of media. Maybe if we were covering, what would be a good topic for, like if we were to change topics and not do bodybuilding and, and gear anymore? What would we talk about that would be popular, Dave, that would be more monetizable? Let's put our heads together here. Maybe cakes. You like cakes, right? We do like a cake show. Every week we made like a different cake, different recipe. You make a cake. I make a cake. And then we let the, we like decorate it. And then we have the viewers be the judges as to whose cake looks better. Well, I'm inherently lazy, so what I think is the viewers should send the cakes in and then we'll judge whether they're any good or not. <laughs> okay, that's good. Well, that'll be our plan B. That'll be our plan B if this... We do an eating tour where we go to different places and claim to be food critics and put it on a YouTube channel and just eat for three for the rest of his lives. I like that. That sounds good to me. All right, so our next question was, uh, he says, um, I did trend. And the wife almost left me. You've heard the term, man. Divorce in a bottle. Um, been on TRT for a year. What can I add into my TRT wanting, without wanting to jump on her every time I see her? As minimal mental sides as possible. Primo? So when he says jump on her, I think he means in, in a loving way. A loving, yes. I'm trying to be YouTube friendly. A loving way passionate endearing way the way that when a man loves a woman he jumps on her that's what he so i i feel that there is a there is a uncle dave advice linked to this oh we actually yeah we had people asking about that too somebody commented who is this based baster based sir he says no uncle dave talk again Get some so I advice here. He should give his wife Trent. 
I don't think that's the answer. I I'm have a perfect answer. Yeah? Because yeah. then she'll want to jump at him. And then they'll both be jumping each other's bones and everybody will be happy. They'll never get anything done. But they will yes. be jacked and satisfied. Small price to pay in it, really. <laughs> um, do. Well, I mean, you can put in anything he wants at the end of the day. If, he, if he's keeping his TRT or he's keeping his test base at his TRT dose, then he's probably looking at mass, primo, EQ, those sort of compounds if he's not looking at going full-blown cycle. He just wants to top up the TRT. I think, really, you've only got those three that I'd consider. I wouldn't be looking at putting Decker in. Um, a very low dose decker would potentially help with some joints and, and that sort of thing, but it's it's not going to be a huge impact on, on what he's doing physique wise unless he's carried at a bit higher dose. So and when I think mental side, decker would be the opposite of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, decker can make you quite depressed as well. But he, he, the, the the point is that unless he's going to run Decker at decent doses, he's not going to get much out of it from a physique point of view. So a, a low dose, say 50 milligrams a week, would, would potentially benefit joints and stuff like that with not particularly any negative impacts. But he's not going to do anything for furthering his physique at that dose either. Uh, whereas, you know, you could comfortably run 200, 200 tests, two, 300 mast uh, without any major concerns, the same test primo or the same even test in EQ you could probably get away with three, maybe even 400 EQ on top of that level of test without anything being overly negative. I, I found personally, I don't know about you, libido-wise, Masteron and DHTs in general pushed that libido for me through the roof, especially like in, in a state where estrogen is also like in play. I, I just I, I think I, part of it I think is like a it's a it's a personal thing too like mm -hmm. you know it, we have to have yeah, responsibility think, for what we're taking and recognize okay so this is going to change things you can't go and expect your wife to you know put out every hour on the hour just because you're using a compound you know what I mean just start wanking there you go. Um, Take care of it porn is your friend um, kind of. But... I, I don't know if this is a good Uncle Dave. Is this like evil Uncle Dave advice today? Take Trent <laughs> and watch porn. Um, I think that the, the, there is a, a there are subtle differences. You're right. Not everybody, I do think, is in very individual. But DHT can increase the sex drive in people, and there's no denying that. But I think the difference is that when Trent increases the sex drive, it becomes much more aggressively driven. Yeah, yeah. And, and much less emotionally driven. Whereas with mast and stuff like that, you're going to get horny, but those forceful desires for sex is probably the best way of putting it aren't going to be there. Yeah. So I think the trend sex drive is quite unique to that compound. Uh, and from when I've spoke to people who, who have had problems in their relationship from their sexual appetite off trend, the missuses have often complained not so much that they've got a high sex drive but it's how they go about trying to get that sex drive satisfied uh yeah they are much less emotionally connected with them uh, and the, the partners say i, I just I, f I feel like a hoarder or i feel like a hooker i just feel like i'm a used toy you know i just i don't feel like there's any connection there it's just this pure 
physical need to blow his wad off sort of thing. I just want to take uh, that little clip there and pull that out and like use that as a clip on its own. <laughs> no context. Um, yeah, no context. That will definitely get you non-monetized. <laughs> right, right. We're probably, um, we're probably in trouble now. You know, we're probably in trouble but, already. Yeah, so I do think there are distinct differences between the sex drive you get from something like trend and the sex drive you get something like a DHT. I think the DHT sex drive is probably much more manageable in a sense of denying yourself that than it is when it's trend-driven. But a lot of this is dose-dependent as well. I mean, what dose of trend yeah. was he on? You know, if he's only running a couple of hundred and he's like that, well, then he's probably going to have problems with DHTs as well. But if, if he was caning the trend, then we've got different stories and different scenarios. Scott, I wonder why this show isn't getting monetized. <laughs> Can't figure it out. People keep asking questions. I know. Oh, hey, on a serious note, uh, somebody had just posted this up in our, our feed over at YouTube. Uh, R.I.P. Neil Curry. Good bodybuilder that we lost this week, UK guy, and uh, mm-hmm. just wanted to say, you know, our condolences. Yeah, obviously his demons got the better of him. Um, it's a shame. Unfortunately, whether people want to admit it or not, bodybuilding is not a great breeding ground for good mental health. Um, it, it, it's just part of the territory, unfortunately. But uh, nonetheless, you know, an individual's lost his life, and I'm sure his loved ones and family will be missing him dearly. Yeah. All right. What else do we have here? Um, I've always been under the impression that mixing different compounds together is no big deal, i.e. DECA and TESS, like drawing them both up at the same time. I was wondering if you guys um, prefer to do split them up. Um, Thanks for the info. Love the show. By the way, I highly recommend Dave's Pillar of Strength course. I did the third course and still reference the videos today. Speaking of which, guys, if you're interested in Pillars of Strength, I have a program called Pillars of Power. It features Dave Crossland. It's a series of seven videos. It's half the price of Dave's course. You just email me directly. And I'll email me directly. I have these pirated copies. I'll just, I'll forward them to you. In fact, 20 bucks and it's yours. Oh, sorry. Oh, come on. You're selling it a bit cheap at 20. You can at least get 150 for it. Do you have a new Pillars of Strength coming up, by the way? It starts Thursday, so it's a oh. bit late for this episode. But there's, there is space for anyone to jump in if they want. Unfortunately, somebody that was going to do is on holiday, so I don't think they're going to be able to start. Okay. So there is space. Regards that, actually, if people want to just buy the videos, then that is this is an option that's available to them. But obviously, they don't get the one-to-one discussion around the videos; they'll just get the videos. Okay. We'll reach out to Dave. Best way to get a hold of you is on your social media. Yes. All right. I have that linked in the description, guys. And by the way, we're both available for coaching. Of course, we we don't really promote ourselves a lot, but that's really, believe it or not, that's what we do. Well, Dave does some other stuff too. I podcast and do coaching. Dave does blood work in coaching, and he abuses me once a week. It's stress management. My therapist advised it. I don't know what else to say. So mixing compounds? Yeah, dude, I'm not going to draw up one and then take it and draw up another and take it. You just draw them all together. Yeah, I mean, it would, the, my only vo- there's a limitation on volume of injection. But that put to one side, there's nothing wrong with having Decker and Test and Mast in the same fucking vial. The only time there would be an issue would be if you were mixing a water-based and an oil-based. 
All right. Easy enough. Vigorous sheep with a picture of Steve. <laughs> he says, uh, I remember Scott doing a Met cycle. How was it? I'm curious. Also, uh, is EQ good for someone who is using gear for aesthetics? Meaning, uh, will the gains be quality and less bloat, dryer compound? Um, also, where is Christmas cabbage? Thanks, Scott and Dave. Let's take this out of order. First of all, where is Christmas cabbage, Dave? So he is back. He is in the office, but unfortunately, oh. like I said, thrown out, so he hasn't come with me, and that's my fault. He's he's only got little legs, right? Dave. So Dave has clients that are uh, or patients really that are in the lab right now. So they he's got a he got kicked out of the he got booted out of the office. Yeah, you can't walk, so that that makes sense. He yeah, make no, sure he shows up. In there. <laughs> you can roll. Yeah, but he's slow. Oh. Um, in, in the meant thing, I've talked about it a hundred times, but I had a, a not so great experience the second time I ran it. Um, first time I ran it, I think estrogen was way under control and then I used the acetate version. It was good. And I used it at a higher dose. Uh, the second time I ran, it was just about a hundred, 150 a week, I think. And I was running 600 tests, but no estrogen control. And I had a lot of issues and, 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 it, and we believe it might've been like a methyl estrogen, uh, it was impossible to control. My mood went down. Libido issues started happening. So I discontinued it after several weeks, but I got strong as all get out. So his topic, though, his question was EQ. He said, is it good gear for aesthetics? Meaning, will he gain quality and less bloat? I think the the bloat is going to come a lot down to your diet. I'll start out here while yeah. Dave shakes his head and and, and no, he's, he's, he's not asked anything wrong. I just no. I get a bit of like you you get people saying, well, this gives you lean gains, this gives you dry. No, it doesn't. They all give you muscular gains. In fact, none of them give you muscular gains. The training gives you muscular gains. They just speed up the process and make it more effective. Um, certain compounds are estrogenic, so you've got more chance of water and all the rest of it. But the muscle's just muscle. You don't get a wet muscle and a dry muscle. You just alter your water retention properties within the body. That's it. Yeah. Muscle's still exactly the same. It's, it's me being finicky. But it's, you know when you get certain things that just bug you? Yeah. That's one of them. Well, here's what I'll tell him. I, it is great for muscle gains, but I do think that it – it seems to be not as strong as something like DECA. If somebody I, I was working with was using, say, 354 DECA, we might need to go to 600 EQ to get a good result from it. I, I don't think it's it's not like a super powerful compound. And for me, what I had always noticed, it was personally one of my favorite growth compounds. I ran it at high doses and it seemed to be later in the cycle that I really saw the best results. Early on, not as much, but then I'd get 12, 14 weeks in, and then I would just kind of, I'd do kind of like a little double take of the mirror. And I'd be like, okay, yeah, I'm seeing something I wasn't seeing before. Week 15, 16, I, I'm still improving. I found that it was great to use for a longer term program, 16 weeks plus. Of course, side effects, you gotta work out, watch out for high hematocrit. Um, and for that reason, I don't use it anymore because as you age, for some of us, we end up getting higher hematocrit more easily. And that's where I'm at. So, Yeah, I mean, 
milligram for milligram, I don't think you're going to beat Test and Decker for just putting on muscle mass. And take away side effects, sensitivities, all that sort of stuff. And just pure anabolic value, I don't think you're going to build Test and Decker. Uh, but there are plenty of other compounds that are useful depending on where you are and what you're wanting to try and achieve. Obviously, they all produce the same quality of gains. They all produce or aid you in producing extra muscle mass. Some do it better than others, but some do it with more side effects than others. One of the reasons that wet drugs are so good at building mass is because they create estrogen. That's part of the magic of how they are good at building muscle mass. If you don't want to have to deal with the estrogen, and even with the best estrogen management in the world, you can still have some softness of, of how you look. Then, obviously, moving towards the DHTs will still give you relatively decent gains, but it is going to be a drier, less fuller look. Um, because you're not going to have that estrogenic issues. It's not going to be running as high as it is. It, it doesn't mean that one's better than the other in, in the sense of, you know, they, they're all going to help you build muscle mass. But it's just down to, one, how much effort you want to put into managing the sides of the drugs. Yeah. Um, and and I mean, I've, I've taken people to stage on Deca before now, so it's not that it's not possible. Um, but it, it, it's, it is a lot of it is down. And I think for something that's sort of in between a DHT and in between decade EQs, it's growing on me a little bit, shall I say. Okay. Yeah, you, I, I think it's one of those things where you have to try it for yourself and see. The first time I ran it, I ran it after having run a number of cycles, test, test D-ball, test DECA, test DECA D-ball. I tried testing EQ. I was highly disappointed, and I believe I ran it at 400 milligrams, test 500 milligrams, and I didn't touch it again for a few years, and then later I said, you know what? I've run everything there is under the sun, and I want to do something different. I'm going to try EQ again, and I ran it really high, um, and in that time, I, I felt really, like I think to be truthful, I believe that I front-loaded it, uh, but I the, my weekly average dose was, I believe, Either a thousand test, I, th I think it was a thousand, yeah, a thousand test and 800, uh, 800 uh, EQ. I was running, yeah, 250 test and 200 EQ every other day. So, you know, ballpark, A75. It, it, it's strange how a thousand test and 800 EQ was better than 500 test and 400 EQ. Yeah, right? Yeah. And when I really pushed it up. Yeah, really weird how that worked better. That was like <laughs> And once I pushed that dose up, I was like, oh, okay, now I see what I'm getting out of it. But you know what? I didn't get the same side effects as I did off of DECA, even DECA at a lower dose. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the, the law around EQ is it has to be 600, 800 or above to really be effective. I, I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, that's what I found, though. But... It's all relative to where you are at the time and what you're doing as well. Yeah. True. Um, yeah, because had I not run all those other cycles that were stronger, you know. Yeah, well, the other thing is at what level of development were you at? You know, because if if I've got to a level of development, it, it doesn't matter if I was running a gram of EQ or I was running a gram of test, I'm not going to get a great deal of growth because of the level of development I've always achieved. I'm going to need much bigger cycles now to push me further up that mass ladder. Yeah. Like four and a half gram. Whew. 
Just saying. Which might have been a little bit overkill. Just saying. I think the 1.5 gram of trend was. All right. Uh, about 11 minutes in, uh, you and Dave talked about scar tissue buildup and keeping it in check. Could you please explain in detail in the next episode? Uh, my shoulders are one big blob of scar tissue. Um, have neglected, uh, have been neglecting this for way too many years. Need to do something about it. Amputation. Just cut it off. Yeah, you'll grow mm. a new one if you mm. cut it off, right? That's well, how you that rub salt in it first, so you cut it off. Then you rub salt in it. Then it gets thirsty, and so it grows out to try and find water, and that's how you grow a new one. Deep tissue work. It's as simple as that. It's just deep tissue work. You need to break the scar tissue down, get the fibers back in line um and the calcification as well will break down this exactly the same way it's just it's unfortunately it's painful but it is just deep tissue work. and it takes a long time too it's not going to happen overnight but it can be done no it's gonna it's gonna be a few i think we're getting a leg oh i i had used my shoulders to the point where it was overuse and I had to stop them all together because all I would get was like crunches and snaps and crackles. Uh, and, and then I'd have a hard time pushing the oil in. So I stopped using shoulders for years. And then when I came back to them, they were better. So it did kind of heal itself over time. The other problem as well is when you start to get gas gas, you should build up like that. You actually start to affect the release of the hormone. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. You can encapsulate it, right? Yeah, encapsulate and it won't, it won't spread. It won't absorb. Or then it will dump all at once. So you, you can get a few issues there. Yeah, I've seen that. All right. Um, let's see here. I'm looking for. We got We have so many, we probably won't be able to cover them all. So let's just rapid fire through a few of these. Um, switching the Primo uh, 500 to 400 mast. That was as a result from talking with us. Another question, can you, use, can you guys guide me on what needle size to use for different compounds, uh, especially the drugs I'm looking at, but in general? P.S. Uh, sorry uh, to Dave for hitting your soft spot bringing up Primo. <laughs> Dave doesn't in, like Primo. Inch, inch and a half, 19 gauge for everything. <sighs> you used... Big old darts in your day, didn't you? I use greens. Yeah, I use greens for everything. <laughs> Which was that, an, an 18 or something? No. Um, shit. I think the 19s. can't remember. I'll have to check that. Okay. Because I have some. I have some that are. This is for my TRT here, guys. Oh, so this is a 3 8 and it's pink. And then this is a one inch, wait, three eighths, excuse me, five eighths, 25. I've always stuck nowadays. A lot of the stuff we're getting is a lot thinner, a lot of MCT oil. I'll use a 25 gauge into one inch. Now, if you're going into a glute and you have more body fat, you may need a one and a half inch. If I was Dave, Dave's a big guy. I would just hit him with one of those darts that you see they use on elephants. As he just trots past me, I would just pop him with one of those darts every other day. You know, whatever dosage we needed to go with. For him. Oh, hi. I'm trying to remember what gauge the greens are. So, no, greens are 21s. I apologize. Okay. That's not much better. So, most people will use 23s, which are blues. 
to inject. Yeah. They might use the twenty. They might use a twenty-one to draw up, and then they'll use a, a blue twenty-three to inject. Hey, while we're on uh, the topic of these injections, Dave, recommendations for avoiding scar tissue from only injecting delts for TRT. I don't feel uncomfortable. I don't feel comfortable injecting any other muscles. To be fair, if you're going to use something like an insulin needle, your scar tissue buildup is going to be minimal, and you are talking quite a lot of time before you'll get scar tissue buildup. But just do some physio, or just do some deep tissue release on it. On you know every a month, which should be enough from a TRT injection point of view. Yeah, if it's TRT, the the oil amount is minimal, you know. Mm -hmm. In a like a twenty-seven gauge or twenty-nine gauge insulin pin is going to be yeah, it's going to be plenty, and so you, you know, just a, a monthly massage would probably be more than enough to manage any any scar tissue build up from that. Oh, all right, here's another one. Uh, it says, uh, "What is the most effed about compound?" LOL, um, faked, underdosed, or not proper compound in the bottle. So the one thing that I see pretty much universally never being right is blends. Yeah. They're not, they'll either not have a compound in there or the compounds won't be dosed as they say they are. Dosing being the big one, particularly stuff like sust. I've very rarely seen a legit UGL sust. They're generally a try test they'll have three compounds in there. You know, the bad ones will only have two. Obviously, the really shit ones are just test end. Um, but, yeah, SUST was one of the probably, daft as it sounds, because it's one of the most common test blends, and it's not so much, they still be the total dosing. So say you've got a, a 250, 300 mg per mil SUST, you'll still get 250, 300 mg of test total dose, but there'll only be three of the esters in there, or two of the esters in there. So that's um, that's probably the most common where I see issues is around blends. Um, and oral blends is exactly the same. Compounds missing, or one of the compounds will be low-dosed, or whatever it would be. And that might be compensated with a high dose of another compound. All right. We've talked about this one before. I'll make it quick, as quick as possible. Acne control. Um I had talked about getting acne uh, last week when we got into the, uh, the, the micro shots conversation. Anyway, um, you know, number one, acne is an infection of the skin. You know, you, you want to be careful. Don't let the acne break. Try not to pop it and irritate the skin. Uh, topicals, I would start with like witch hazel. Keep the skin as clean as possible. Change your sheets frequently, like every other day even. use If you get it on your face, like use one side of your pillow one night, then flip it the next, and then switch your pillowcase the third night. Even watch like hoodies. If you wear a tank top to the gym, um, or um, excuse me, what do you call What do you guys call those? Not a tank top. You call it a, a vest to the gym. And yeah. then you have, you have a jumper over it, a hoodie then, you know, you, you can still get acne from the oil. You just have to really think about that sanitation stuff first. Make sure you keep all the bacteria off your skin. If it's if you already have a breakout, uh, something like a doxycycline will often work to get it back under control, but it's not going to be the answer. Like I said, in my situation, it was hormonal instability. If you are one of those people that has absolutely terrible acne and it can't get under control, like a gentleman reached out to me the other day. He wanted to work together and he had he had like level 10 acne and he just started to cycle. The reality is you can't cycle right now. 
the hormones are just going to keep feeding that. The androgens are going to make it worse. I'd, I'd suggest to get off or get back on TRT. And you may be a candidate for Accutane, which would be something you, if you want to get that, you can get it through research places like Amino Asylum called Think. But uh, I would go through your doctor for a medication of that caliber because it is some serious stuff and they want to do lab work on you regularly. So There was a time in the UK where they considered banning it. Oh, really? I'm not surprised. Just because of the suicide links and everything else that came with it. I don't think they ever went ahead with it, but it did go under review because of that. I'm going to bring this one back up, Dave. No Uncle Dave talk again? That's the comment from the last episode. Do you have some uh, some advice from Uncle Dave for the day? Hmm. The problem I've got is trying to remember what I've said before and so I don't repeat myself. <laughs> So you'll have, you'll have to be my uh, compass here, young Scott, and tell me if I've already done this one. <laughs> We've done anger, haven't we? We've done holding grudges and not letting them turn inward and screwing you up. More yeah, than yeah. Person. I mean, it could be as simple that? as this. You know, make sure you brush your teeth and floss them every day because you only ever get one set of them. I mean, you have your baby teeth, but that's it. That's all you yeah. need. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There, there is. We, we, we hear a lot about mental health um, and and taking care of your mental well being, and and it is important. Um, but it's also we live in a society where we're socially programmed. Um, for argument's sake, is is a very simple example. I'm fat. Now, fat is a bad word, but it's not. It's a descriptive word. I am fat. I have a high level of body fat. I am fat. I'm not big boned. I'm not glandular. I'm fat. I'm not cuddly. I'm fat. There's nothing insultive about that word. It's descriptive. But we live in a world where social programming has said to us, no, no, that's offensive. How is the truth offensive? And this is spread across the world. You know, we've we've got really, really sensitive as society because of this. Yeah. And you can you can sit there and say, Oh, it's bad for my mental health to call me fat. No, it's not. That's you responding to social programming. That's you looking for an excuse because you don't want to step up and face the reality of your situation. That's fine. You can wallow in that all you want, but it's never going to get you forward. Until you stop making excuses for where you are or trying to justify where you are and stop adding judgment to where you are, you'll never really truly move forward. You you know, you've, you've got to just say, this is me. This is who I am. This is where I am. This is my situation. There's no judgment in that. Yeah, you may have fucked up. You may have made mistakes that have cost you to get to that point, but it doesn't make a difference. That's where you are. And then once you accept that, you can then start to look at what I can do to improve and move forward. But we, we live in a society now where we society gives us every excuse to escape our realities. Hmm, yeah. It gives us every justification to avoid the reality of who we are, where we are, the responsibility of how we've acted or what we've done. And it's very, very easy to go along with that and then start with this, oh, it's bad for my mental health, and oh, you can't. And, and before you know it, without even realizing, you've become a Karen. You know, <laughs> but 
So um, be careful just because, and don't get me wrong, I'm not for one minute justifying that you should be able to abuse people. But the truth is not abusive. The, the reality of any situation is not abusive. It's just the truth. It's social programming that makes it abusive. It, it doesn't actually change what it is. You know, Scott wears glasses. How dare you? How dare you, Dave? Scott's eyesight's not very good. How dare you? Yeah, but people would say, oh, no, that's, you can't say that. That's, that's, you're picking on it. Well, no, it's just a fucking observation. You wear I know what you mean. No, yeah, I know what you mean. Um, Where are you going with all this? And it's like, you know, that, you can't. I don't know, really. Just, <laughs> just random today, I suppose. But yeah. my point is, whatever your circumstances, whatever you are, whatever life is thrown at you, however shitty life might feel, you can't use it as an excuse. Yeah, that is true. You can, you can give context and understanding, but you can't use it as an excuse. You still have a responsibility to those around you and yourself to be the best you can be. Life isn't for just getting by. You need to embrace it and get the most out of it you can. Otherwise, what's the point? I'm with you. Well, with that said, guys, reach out to Dave for coaching. I've got his uh, social media down below in the description. You can reach out to me, McNallyDiets at gmail.com. You can head over to get your lab work done by Dave at evalbloodanalysis.com, truenutrition.com. Use our code THINK. Got high quality third party tested supplements, Strom Sports Nutrition. We should ask Richard about that product too, with the NMN in it and all mm. that other stuff. Mm. Um, well, it's a precursor to NAD, is what NMN is. We should ask him about that product though. Like, is that part oh, yeah. of Strom? What's he doing? You know, all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you're in the UK, you can get great supplements over there. Supplementsource.ca for Canadian folk. You can get great deals that change week to week, all sorts of different blowout label changes, stuff like that. And of course, thank you to everybody from Patreon. We'll be tackling all your Patreon questions on the next episode. And, uh, you know, like I said, if you're new here and you're still around, then you should definitely hit the subscribe button because we have a bunch more content coming out. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Dave. Bye.